podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We are privileged to hear from Gatto and Jordania Nargis. Gatto and Jordania are missionaries that Christian Chapel supports. Um, through our Kingdom Builders Giving, we support over 50 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations around the world. Gatto and Jordania hold a special place. You can go sit yourself down if you want. Yeah, come on. Don't just creep behind me. Um, they, they really are some dear friends of ours, though. When Angie and I moved to Christian Chapel in 2005, Gatto was on staff as our business administrator and our worship leader. We got to work together for about uh, four years before they kind of felt God calling them into missions. So for the last 10 years, they have served with Assemblies of God World Missions down in Brazil and done all kinds of incredible things from consulting with local churches and pastors to establishing ministries on university campuses to incredible work. Uh, with ministry, women's ministry that Jordania has been involved in over the past couple years that has grown internationally, and they've got some really exciting opportunities ahead of them. They've checked in and told us about those things before. If you weren't here for that, uh, you can catch them after service at their table in the foyer. They'd be happy to fill you in on all of that. But this morning, what I've asked Gatto to do, um, you know, over the past year, it's just been really fun for us to have them live across the street. They've joined us for our staff prayers several times on Monday mornings, uh, just been a part of the church, been here often, their kids are involved. And it's been really encouraging for me, for our other pastors to uh, just hear from Gatto and Jordania what they sense the Lord is doing in us as a community. And so I've asked them today just to kind of spend a, you know, a couple, they've spent the last couple months now praying about, God, what do you want us to say to Christian Chapel? How can we encourage, challenge them? And so we're just kind of asking them to do that this morning. And we're coming together as a community to just listen, to receive what God has to say for us. So if you'll help me welcome this guy who's been standing by me for so long now, <laughs> that'd be great. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Good morning. It's, it's great to be home. It's great to be at our home church. Of course, we travel a lot. We're, uh, this whole last year, we're, we were out almost every Sunday morning, either all of us or one of us speaking in a church across the nation. So it's really nice to be able to come and have a home church where our kids are ministered to and where we're ministered to, and we just feel like, you know, we're home. And, uh, you know, this time, uh, 2004, we came to Christian Chapel. We were in a transition, and we, we left a prior uh, church uh, ministry opportunity here in Tulsa. We spent about two years in transition. I traveled, and Jordani and I were going back and forth to Brazil and doing ministry there. We were taking our as much time as we could to invest in Brazil, and, and, and we love Brazil. And, and so we tried to really spend as much time there as possible. And during one of these trips, uh, we found out that Jordani was pregnant with our first child, Eben, who today is turning 14. So if you see Eben around, just give him a little shout out, send him some love. You don't have to give him money, just, just you know, embarrass him, basically. No, give Eben a shout out, he's turning 14. And, but, you know, that was a transition moment, and our family's been through many, many different transitions. It seems like for us, God's transitioned us about every decade. So we're kind of capstoning here a third decade, and we're excited about what's ahead. But when we came to Christian Chapel, we just felt like we needed to settle down, get off the road, start our family, and it was a wonderful time for us. I served here as the worship pastor and the business administrator for five years, and it was a really great time for us just to, to plant some roots down again in Tulsa. We had you know, lived here for a long time before that, and, and uh, we felt at home. And you know, we had everything was going well. You guys know the story. You, you know, jobs going good. Jordine was had built a clientele in the beauty industry. She had a full clientele, that, and she was doing very well here in South Tulsa. I was working here at the church. We started our family, um, and then our daughter was born, Jordan. She came two years after Eben, and um, things were just, they were stable. Everything was stable. Just say that word with me, stability. Everything was stable, and it's just like the Lord. It's just like the Holy Spirit to start prodding at our hearts and start stirring us, and that, that happened to us. I don't know if you've gone through a life season like that where you were in a groove, and then the Lord kind of started to stir your heart again. He started to cause you to be unsettled. And when it happened to us, it was God beginning to ask us and us beginning to respond and saying, Lord, is there more in this next season? Is there, is there a new challenge that you've placed before us? And externally, everything was good. Everything was nice. But internally, there was a stirring and a dissatisfaction that we believe that the Lord initiated in us. And we started to pay attention to that initiation. And I think that in our lives, and I'm going to speak to you 
uh, individually and to you as family this morning, but I'm also simultaneously speaking to Christian Chapel because as God does a new thing in us as the family of Christian Chapel, that will also is directly connected to what the Lord is wanting to do with us as a church community. The Lord speaks prophetically. The Lord stirs us, and he was doing that in us, and he was causing us to question whether um, we were supposed to go into something new, into a new moment. And many of you know some of our story. And prior to this, in the mid-'90s or early-'90s, I graduated from college and, and had an invitation to go to Brazil. I spent two years there as a single missionary. I had no, no support, no money, no guarantees. I didn't know anybody. I, well, I knew a couple of people, but I didn't know Portuguese. It was very uncomfortable, but I felt God directed me to go to Brazil. And I started learning Portuguese, started getting connected, and my passion really grew. And, and, and it was hard, though. It was very hard. I slept on the ground. In, we're talking about a city of about, it was about 104 degrees. It would get up to about 104 degrees for most of the year in the middle of Brazil, central Brazil, sleeping on the floor on a, just a skinny little mat with, you know, an ant farm in the back coming in. I'm getting bitten by these ants. And I'm like, you know, God, I don't know if this is what you're best for me. This doesn't seem like your best, but I weathered that storm, and out of that, I met my wife, and the best thing that has happened to me, mm -hmm. this isn't a marriage conference, but I'll just throw that out. So. Jordan had also, in the, in the early 90s, um, you know, before that, felt a call as a teenager to serve the Lord in ministry missions, and her parents directed her to study in a different, um, you know, a different focus of college. She went and became a lawyer. She was the youngest attorney in Brazil. She was 16 years old when she went to law school at that time, the youngest attorney in Brazil's history. And she came out of law school with many great opportunities, worked for the governor. She was being vetted to either be a, she was a judge's assistant. She was signing off on cases, being vetted to be a judge or being vetted to be a senator. All these people had plans for her, but God spoke to her and said, I want you to leave that behind in transition. And she came, she married me. So, I mean, can you feel the pressure already? Gosh, we got married. We've been, we're coming up on 20 years of marriage this July. And so um, we went through these two major transitions. The first one, one in the 90s, and then coming into Christian Chapel, and then God stirring our hearts again. And what did that transition look like for our family in 2008 and 2009? Um, it meant resigning my job. It meant giving up my salary. It meant giving up my benefits. It meant Jordania slowly weaning off her clientele and saying, hey, after this date, I'm no longer going to book with you. It meant total um, a feeling of insecurity, but at the same time, believing that God was directing us, believing that it was God stirring us to say yes again in a new season of our life. And, and I asked the first service, you know, why would any sane person go through that process? Why would any person that's semi-intelligent, I mean, she's intelligent, I may be semi-intelligent. Why would anyone do that? Why would we put ourselves through that process? Because it's that as believers, we felt God was inviting us to answer his call again in a new season and in a new way. I want you to say that with me, in a new season and in a new way. Because God, he, our lives are like a timeline and and God calls us, right? He calls us way at the beginning, but we walk through these different processes of our call, and through each process, we grow, we mature, we step into new places, and, and oftentimes, we, we lose our, our spiritual hunger. And so I believe that the, Lord, the word that the Lord gave me this morning to share with us as a congregation is about our spiritual hunger. It's about exchanging the, the old for the new seasons of this call, exchanging the old for the new seasons of this call. And before I step into talking about hunger, I, I just want to uh, share a few thoughts as a prophetic declaration over Christian chapel. Are you in? You, if, you, if it sounds good, just say yes. If you don't understand it, just say yes. If you have something to add to it, just stand up. <laughs> okay, we've got, we have some Think about this. The, the old container cannot hold the new thing that God is doing here at Christian Chapel. Let me say that again. The old container cannot hold the new thing that God is doing here at Christian Chapel. I do not want you to be offended whatsoever at that idea, as if the old thing hasn't been good. That is not what I'm saying. The old thing has been tremendous. But the Lord works in seasons and moments, and the Lord has been in our church reissuing a call to cry out to the Spirit of God and say, 
Yes, God, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you remember Pastor Chris sharing that message? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. This container is not going to be able to hold the new thing. We're breaking out of the shell of what was to say yes to what is yet to come. The Lord is expanding our hearts. We cannot stay sedentary in this new place that the Lord is taking us to. We have to break the silence. We have to break the silence and we have to shake off the dust of the old things. Behold, I'm doing something, I'm doing something new. Come on, can you say amen to that? that? That's the prophetic invitation for us. Now, how that will flesh out, I don't know. But the, the important thing is that God has been speaking to us all year long about a new thing. And I believe it's time for us to break off the shell that crust that oftentimes comes around as a familiarity, that spiritual crust. I saw this vision of a, of a person, and I saw the glory of God around this person, and then I saw this crust almost like dirt, and I felt like the Lord was saying, it's time for us to break through that crust for the new thing that God is doing and wants to do at our church. Can you see that in the Spirit? We are called by God. We are anointed by God. The Lord has done great things, but we have new assignments yet ahead of us as a church community. And in order for us to step into those new seasons, we need to be hungry for the Lord. Now, how many foodies do I have in the house? Let me hear you holler. 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 Come on, let's... Just trying to stir it up a little bit, guys. We love food, and we were at Mayfest last Sunday. I think it was last Sunday. We went down there, and we got there late, so we were pretty hungry. And the first thing we did was we went about two or three blocks. We parked, went about two or three blocks, and the sun was beating down. And the only thing we could think of, uh, think of was food trucks. I hope there's good food trucks. So we, we had to eat first, eat first, and look at the yard second, right? Food trucks were on our mind. And, um, and Eben was there, and Jordania and Carter Janash was there, and and so everybody picked their food, and, and Eben's eating this massive burrito. It's dripping with oil. Have you ever eaten a burrito with potatoes? Wait, it's dripping with oil. And Eben's eating the burrito. He's on side one. He's on side A. And simultaneously, he looks over, and he says to Carter, dude, there's ice cream over there. How is it possible that we can eat food and talk about food? And my family does this a lot. We're eating good food, and then we're thinking about another kind of meal that we hadn't had in a while. We love food. Food's a good thing. Food, you know, you eat it, you're satisfied, you enjoy it, but after a little while, you have to eat again. But then there are some people who don't have that privilege to go out and eat at nice restaurants, and so, um, you know, they're just kind of starving. They're kind of starving, and they're looking for their next meal. And I was looking at the World Health Organization statistics in 2017, there were 821 million uh, people in 2017 who were in that category of, of hungry. Starvation's a serious reality. It's been throughout human history. It's no different today. And, but those people who are in danger of starvation will often go to desperate measures to overcome death. They will go to desperate measures to find that meal that will keep them going. You know, years ago in Brazil, um, I, I, you may not believe this, but missionaries do go on dates. We were, oh gee, you know, we work hard, and every once in a while, Jordi and I would plan a date, and we went to the mall this particular weekend. We're coming back from the mall. It's about 10.30. We stopped at a light, and at the lights in, in our city, there's lots of people who are asking for money, and mo many of them are, are also simultaneously on drugs. You can see by their appearance, and so we're very, we want to be very compassionate, but we want to be cautious about how we give to those people and how we help them. We, we pulled up. There was a man probably in his 50s. And uh, I said, well, how can I help you today, sir? We're at the light. The light's red light. And he said, well, I don't want any money. What I need is food because my family, I have a family across town, and they're hungry. And um, I looked down at his arm. He had visible signs of cancer. He had cancer on his arm. He had cancer on his head. But there he was out on the street asking for money because he needed to get food back to his family across the street. He was there. He was sick. People, the young, he, was, he told us that the younger street kids were abusing him sometimes because they wanted that corner that was a premium corner. So I just reached my hand out and I said, I'll pray for you. We pray for him and I said, listen, we're gonna go try to find some food and we'll be back. If you trust us, you'll just wait here. We'll go find some food. We went on this journey. The supermarket was closed and we finally found a small uh, neighborhood supermarket. We bought some food and we came back. It was about 45 minutes later and he was still there. It was about 1130 at night. 
And I said, I'm so glad you stayed. We got some food. We un- unloaded all this food. And he said, I knew you'd come back because um, no one's ever touched me before. And that really just that really just moved us, you know, because we see, you see this and you sort of can become callous to this, this, this need that you see around you. But, you know, what, what really stuck out to me was that he was so desperate that he would be out there all day just to get food to bring home to his family. And I believe that this, in the, in the same way, in the natural, that um, there are characteristics of spiritual hunger that help define us and help move us forward. And so spiritual hunger, it leads us to desperate pursuit. Spiritual hunger will lead us into uh, spiritual pursuit and some characteristics of a hungry person. A hungry person won't stop pursuing because of how other people see them. Doesn't matter. I mean, maybe deep inside they feel embarrassed, but that won't stop them from, from asking for food. A hungry person knows that if they don't eat, they will eventually die. A hungry person knows that there's food and they will do everything they can to find that food so that they can live another day because there's still hope. As long as they can eat, there's still hope. But what does it look like for spiritually hungry people? I believe that when we enter into a new spiritual season, when we exchange the old for the new, there's often a discernible level of dissatisfaction and desperation that will drive us into the heart of God. That driving of the Holy Spirit from within that presses in on us and causes us to start to pray. We pray, we pray our our regular prayers, but this is, I'm talking about a season of special prayer that leads us into praying, that leads us into worship, that leads us into um, times of silence in God's presence. I believe that this spiritual hunger will drive us to the praying, to the seeking, to the waiting, to the longing, and it's the Holy Spirit's role to help get us there. But guess what? It's our role to decide to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You with me? It's our role to decide how much we want to stand with God and say yes in that, in that answering of the new thing, that longing. Because I do believe that it's in the heart and mind of God that we receive direction. It's when we spend time with him, seeking him, purposefully seeking him, that we receive affirmation. And we receive this understanding for our lives. And God enables us to see a better and more clear picture of where he wants to take us. That spiritual hunger, it is, it is God's pressure on the inside of us that's leading us to seek after him and say, God, is there more? God, is there more? God, is there something new? And I just love what John 4.34, we're going to look at that scripture. But spiritual hunger drove Jesus. Spiritual hunger drove Jesus. Listen to what it said, what he said about it. My food, everybody say food. Yeah, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And we see this thread in Jesus' life. We see it throughout his entire life. We see how he was consumed with pleasing God. It was consumed and he knew his assignment, but he had to keep revisiting this over and over. God, I want to do your will. God, I want to please you. God, I want to stay on track. And when Satan came to tempt him, Satan was attempting to pull him off track. But Jesus said, I am more hungry to do the will of my Father than I am to fall, play, to fall complacent and walk into temptation. To do it my way. I want to do it God's way. If we're spiritually hungry, we're saying, I want to do it God's way. Hebrews 10, 7, Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do thy will, O God. So when we think about spiritual hunger, it is to do God's will. That's what drove Christ, to persist through every part of his calling, the will of God, the will of God. I want to do it. I'm hungry for it. And we found that Jesus was often on a mountain. Jesus often withdrew. Jesus was in a garden. And what was he doing there? He was gathering strength, right? He was gathering strength from God. He was finding renewed strength and confidence God, is this really what you want? Yes, it's what you want. Okay, God, I'm going to re-up. God, is, I believe this is what you're saying. Is that really what you want me to do? That sounds too hard. And God would say, yes, that's what I want you to do. And how much more? If Jesus walked through that process, how much more do we need God to walk us through that process? Right? I believe that we're in a season where God is revisiting us and say, hey, 
Why don't you start asking questions again? Why don't you start diving in again? Jesus did it. I want you to do it. Another person that really stuck out to me was Elisha. Elisha was a man who followed after Elijah. Elijah decided that his, he was done. He's kind of wanted to wrap up his, his career as prophet. And God sent him to Elijah. Elijah said, yes, you remember the story where he, he, he was going to take over his dad's business. But instead, when he said yes to God, it meant that he burned the oxen, right? He made a, another feast and they ate. Another food story. God's into food. We're into food. God speaks through food. He burnt that sacrifice and he said, I'm letting go of what I had pre-planned in my calling and I'm saying yes in this new moment of my life. But look, he had been there with his family. He had already been engaged with his family. He had already been doing what God called him. And God showed up and issued him an opportunity, an invitation to decide if he wanted to go into a new direction and step forward. And I really believe that God challenges us to, to step forward. But you know what? It's really up to us which direction we want to go. Will God bless me? I think he will, but you want God's best, don't you? We want God's best. But you know what? This was not the only yes that, that Elisha gave. He gave that yes again about eight years later into the future. He had already said yes. He was already walking with his master. He was learning. He was ministering. He was seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. And at the same time, eight years later, when Elijah was going to be taken up, Elisha said, I want to I want to receive this mantle, and this mantle is going to be the affirmation that I'm the next in line. This is going to be, this is going to help me to do more. This is going to help me to step in further into my role. And Elijah said, if you follow me through all these different places, and if God throws this mantle down and you see it, then I believe God will give you what you desired. But did you know Elisha, Elijah went through four different geographical locations that were difficult terrain, and Elisha did not give up as he followed. In fact, this is what the scripture says. Elijah said to him during this process, stay here, Elijah, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Can you hear, the, can you hear that, the persistence in that? I will not. I will not leave you. You can tell me to stop, but I'm not stopping. You can tell me to quit right here, but I'm not going to quit because I believe that God's hand is on me and I will do anything I have to do to pursue God into the next stage of my calling. If we're going to leave the old for the new, we have to choose to be persistent in our yes to the Lord. We have to choose to be determined that no matter what the terrain looks like around us, we're going to follow. We're going to follow until, even if it feels like God's not there, until we get to that place where his hand shows up. Amen. I really don't know what your experience was like when you first heard the call of God, or maybe you've heard the Lord giving you some direction for your life in the last few years. And oftentimes we, we start in a place like that, and we, it's our, kind of our leaping place, and, and we end up doing that for a while. And sometimes we kind of finish that season, but we don't know that it's over. Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about? You kind of, you've been doing something, you're being faithful, but really God's trying to move you out, move you on, but it's hard to let go. It's, hard. it's a risky thing to let go of something else to step into something new. And I think that God um, is asking us to say, hey, maybe there's an old season that you're just time to let go of. Time to let go of. And so how do we do that? How do we do that? It, to stay in love with God, that's one of the best ways that we can stay connected to him to hear what he's saying over our current season. So exchanging the old for the new is connected to the pursuit of our first love. Exchanging the old for new is connected to the pursuit of our first love. Jeremiah 2, one, I love this scripture. I remember the devotion of your, of your youth, how you as a bride loved me and you followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. I mean, how in the world to follow your love through the wilderness, through a hard land, through a brutal land that wasn't producing anything. I don't see anything happening. I don't see any fruit, any vegetation. I don't see any results. But I followed him because I loved him. If you are going to step forward into the call that God has for you, you have got to make sure that your first love is right there on the table. That you're following in love with him. That you're keeping your passion. That that flame is just burning inside of you. I believe that spiritual hunger means loving the Lord in every season of our lives winter, spring, summer, and fall. It is God's love in us and our love for him that enables us to overcome the obstacles that threaten our personal journey in advancement with Christ. 
Did you know that lethargy threatens your future? Lethargy threatens my future. Being comfortable threatens my future. That's really quiet in here. I, I hope I'm, I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I mean, this message is not, this message is something I think we need to respond to in, in our hearts, of course, but hear the voice of the Lord. We can accomplish so many great things, but we can become lethargic even as mature believers in Christ. How is it that we advance? That is lethargy. That lethargy is, is an enemy to the advancement of our personal journey in Christ. And we have to say no to it. What else is an enemy? Pride. Pride can be an enemy. Fear can be an enemy. Insecurity can be an enemy. Wounds can be an enemy. But God is calling us to draw near to our first love, exchange the acts of religion for active covenant relationship with the one that we first fell in love with at the beginning. Come on, go back to the beginning. Go back to your roots and, and just dive in to that love of God because that's where God speaks to you. That's where God speaks to us. He speaks to us when we walk in intimacy with Him. And then secondly, we exchange the old for the new. And what that means is it means giving God our yes over and over and over again. That's not even proper English, over and over and over. But it, it means something. It means that, that we have to choose. We, have to, we choose and we keep choosing. We respond and we keep responding. As our faith grows, as we hear God challenging us, we have to continue to make choices over and over again as to our yes to the Lord. Our yes means a lot to God. Our yes means a lot. It means that, that we're saying, God, I'm on board with you. It means, God, I trust you. It means, God, I believe you. I trust you. And oftentimes when we pull back from that invitation from the Holy Spirit, it means I'm not totally sure I trust God with my life. And that's okay to be there. But God wants to answer that. You know how he does that? He does that by showing up in faithfulness as we walk in faith. As we say yes to God, God responds in faithfulness and our trust grows. And it just keeps growing, growing and growing until we come to a place that we can just really pour in that measure that we've experienced personally. Your yes doesn't always mean that you know how it's going to happen. Your yes means that you're available and you're ready to step into a position to serve and to love and to, and to lead. God often leads us to our yes before he reveals the blueprints. So have you ever been there where you've heard someone say, you know, I felt like God called me to do something, but he didn't give me all the details because he knew that if he gave me the details, I wouldn't have done it. Have you been there ever? No? Yes. Come on. Anybody? My. I, I, <laughs> I feel challenged every day. I, I've been in ministry for like 25 years. I've been a missionary for a while. Um, and I still feel the stretch right now. I feel the stretch right now for me, for my family. I feel the stretch for my kids, my son going into high school, my daughter to middle school. I feel the stretch and the pressure. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, is there something you want us to change? Is there something you want me to let go of, something to say yes to? Because it's not a question of how long you've walked with the Lord. It's a question of, have you finished your race? And I don't believe we finish our race until we leave the earth. I personally don't believe that. And I think that's pretty back, pretty much backed up. I mean, I've talked to even uh, uh, people in, in generations that are a little bit ahead of me, people who try to retire. And what they say to me is, I tried to retire, and I just found out that it wasn't for me because I, I just can't sit around. I can't sit around. And, and uh, did you know that between people who retire and just sit sedentary in a retirement home, that they die about 10 years sooner than those who stay active with work or some sort of activity. Because on the inside, we want to, on the inside, God has put that design of our calling until, I believe, until we breathe our last breath and God gives us a new body. Exchange the old for the new. I don't understand all the details, but I want to say yes to the Lord. Peter, to me, is a really good example, I think, of where a lot of us could be at any moment in our life. He walked with Christ for three years. He was a part of the miracles. He was a part of watching how Jesus modeled forgiveness and compassion. He saw it, and he was a part of it, and he was being mentored. But when Jesus died, when Jesus was taken to the cross, and Peter, Peter couldn't stand with him, and Peter denied Christ. 
And I believe that, you know, if you look at Judas and you look at Peter, both of them denied Christ in their own way. Both of them rejected Christ. Both of them disappointed Christ. Judas went and hung himself. Peter went back to his old life to the shores to fish because he just felt disqualified. He felt like, I blew it. Jesus doesn't love me. Jesus doesn't want me. I'm not good enough. And I don't think God's gonna be able to use me anymore. I imagine Peter saying something like this. This is it. That's as far as I can go. And I do, I do believe that many of us can feel that way in different moments of our life. Our imperfect decisions, our brokenness, lead us to believe that we're no longer qualified. Jesus called Peter again. Say that word with me, again. He called him again. Jesus showed up for Peter, not just to the disciples. He showed up for Peter because Peter needed to believe that Jesus had not forsaken him. Jesus, did a, Jesus reset Peter's heart. He recalibrated his heart so that Peter wouldn't be frozen in shame and stuck at that moment, but that Peter would continue to step into his prophetic call to be the father of the New Testament church. And in that moment, when Jesus declared that Jesus broke shame, Jesus broke guilt, Jesus broke insecurity over his thoughts and over his heart, and Jesus, with the power of his grace and his mercy, reset Peter. And I believe that Jesus wants to reset many of us in this place today. Jesus wants to reset us because what if Peter quit? What if he agreed with his guilt? What if he just said, that's it, I'm done? Listen to the voice of the Lord today. Listen to the Holy Spirit today. Go tell Simon Peter. Go tell Simon Peter. And this is what maybe it made Simon Peter feel like. Imagine Jesus saying, I, I have need of him. It's not over. I'm still here. I'm still interested in you. I still love you. I still believe in you. I'm still calling you. I want you to put yourself in that position and, and, and imagine Jesus saying this to you prophetically. I still need you. I still want you. I still love you. I'm still calling you. I still have an assignment for you. Don't get frozen when life and things don't go the way you think. Don't get frozen and throw in the towel. The spiritual hunger that drove Peter to give his yes to the Lord again. It's the same yes that we need to give God. It's the same yes that we need to give when things just don't look like around us like the way we expected. We didn't expect it. And I believe that this challenge is a challenge of encouragement to you and to me. I, I, I think that it's a good moment for our families. It's a good moment for our church for us to ask the question, God, what's next? And there's risk in that question. And the reason that there's risk is because God, I believe, will find a way to speak to you in that. He'll find a way to talk to you. He'll find a way to communicate to your heart and to your mind, to your family, to you, what he's asking you to do. It's risky because once he delivers that invitation, it's up to us to say, I'm willing to step out again. I'm willing to, to offer myself. And that might mean an area of service. That might, that might mean mentoring someone like you may not feel like you're qualified to mentor someone, but it might mean that as a couple, God wants you to pour out from within the wealth within you to another generation or to another person that has not had the victories that you've had. Oftentimes we have these victories and we seal them in our heart, but we don't understand that people are dying to hear what God has done for us. We, we love the victory stories, but the, in my opinion, the greatest, the greatest stories and the greatest wealth of, of, of how God works is in the middle place and how we got there. And I believe that God is doing something in our church spiritually. He wants us to start to share our story again because in that story we can celebrate, but then we start to ask God, what's next for Christian Chapel? What do we look like as a tribe? What should we keep doing, but what should we step into? And as your pastors and leaders lead us, as they lead us into that, we have to decide if we're on board with the, with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, to give your yes to the Lord again. I want to challenge you to ask the Lord what he's, what he's asking of you. How far are we willing to go? How many risks are we willing to take? Does God need to reset us? And I really don't know what God has been dealing with you about, but I think it's time that we stepped up to the plate and said yes. In fact, I want to challenge 
the call of God on you. I want to challenge the, the destiny that God has placed in you. God is waiting for some of us. Some of us, he's been waiting for years to give our yes again. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. And some of us, we need to hear that word. So I, I know the worship team is going to come, and we're going to take a moment, a few moments here to, to respond to the Lord. You know, it's so important that in, in, in my experience, and especially in this last decade in our country, in Brazil, one of the great characteristics of the Brazilian church is that we just are hungry to go after God. And I want to see, I want to invite you this morning to stand with me and to make a movement towards responding to God. Maybe it's a quiet moment. Maybe it's coming to the altar. Maybe it's putting your arm around someone in your family and declaring that God's not done with them, that we're going to say yes as a family. So can we stand? Can we stand? Listen, I believe we need to break the silence as a church. I believe we need to break the silence as a church. God, you've done so many good things, but I refuse to live in the past accomplishments. I'm ready to go forward. Are you with me? And are you with the Lord? Are you with, let's, let's just begin to wait on him. Let's activate our hearts. Let's activate our thoughts to the Lord. Let's begin to respond to him this morning. Come on, just seek the Lord. Lift your voice to him. Respond to him. Lord, I want to trade my stability for trust. Lord, I want to trade my comfort for pursuit again. I want to trade my accomplishment for a new direction. Come on, let's just lift our voices. Just lift your voice to him and just begin to, if it's a prayer, maybe it's a cry, maybe it's a song, maybe you want to sing in the spirit. Just lift your voice to him. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you in this new season, God. We want to step forward with courage. We want to step forward with boldness. Nothing is going to hold me back. Lord, I want to throw off the old things. The scripture says, throw off the former things. Throw off the heavy things that hold you back.
you're breaking all things off today, that you are shattering the silence of shame, that you are shattering the silence of discouragement, that you are shattering the silence of doubt. God, come with your spirit now. Oh, God, lift our hearts to give hope. Lift our hearts to you, God. Oh, the best is yet to come. New things are coming. New things are coming for our families. New things are coming in our marriages. New things are coming. Lift your voice, begin to thank the Lord right now. Just cry out, Lord, we believe. God, we believe we're with you. We're with you. We say yes, Lord. We say yes to you. We say yes.
I believe the Lord's bringing supernatural healing to many of us on the inside. There are some of us who have been in pain, and I see the Holy Spirit coming, coming with His light and just uncovering those old things, and the Lord is healing emotions. I believe the Lord's healing some illnesses right now. We declare healing, healing over every body, healing over every joint, healing over every bout of depression, healing over every uh, thing that would de de debilitate us from living in the, in the life that God has designed for us. Lord, I thank you this morning for healing marriages. Come on, the Lord is renewing marriages. You say it's just an altar, it's just 10 minutes. No, there is, there is something special the Lord is doing even for the, this months to come. The Lord is initiating healing in relationships. I see the Lord calling sons home, children who have walked away from the Lord that are not in this room and parents have been crying out. I see some kids coming home. I see some, some grandkids coming home. I see it happening because you and I will stand in the gap and we are crying out to God. We are not satisfied with the way things have been. We refuse to settle. We refuse to give up. We're gonna cry out. We're gonna stand in the gap because we are the ones who will make a difference in the generation that we're living in. Christian Chapel is a key. Christian Chapel, you as a family, we are a part of the transformation that God is bringing in our community, that God is bringing in our community, and that God will send out to nations through this community. Yes, Lord, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it. Yes, Lord. Come on, just give him your yes again. Yes, we believe. We won't give up. We are standing in the gap. Oh, we're standing in the gap.
love to have Chris and Angie come join us. We're going to pray over. We're going to pray over our pastors today. <laughs> How many of you appreciate them? We love them. Here we are. Let's pray. Let's pray. Because God's given them an assignment, and they need God's grace and God's power and God's strategy to do that. So, Lord, we thank you for Chris. We thank you for Angie and their family. We thank you for the seeds that they have sown and the seeds that they are sowing in this place because you have called them to pastor and to love these people well. This is a community marked by your glory. This is a community marked by your presence, Father. Lord, we declare that they are going to be stronger yet, that they are going to be stronger yet in everything that they have cried out for, you're going to do for them and much more. Lord, you are giving them a, a supernatural strength this day, God, for the next year, for the years still ahead of them. God, I thank you for new strategy. I thank you for new insight. I thank you for new spiritual insight and wisdom, Lord, as they serve and love you well, God. I pray, Father, that you would take all that they have sown and that you would breathe upon it to multiply it to the, to the new families that are coming in this place, to the new couples, to the new kids, to the new leaders. And, Father, I thank you that you are sending new leadership to join because, Lord, the, that which you have, ha you have for Christian Chapel is going to grow. It is going to multiply. It is going to expand and it is not because of our hard work. It is not because of our intelligence. It is a divine work that you are going to do. Christian Chapel, get ready, because I am going to take you into another season of growth and expansion. And as I do, I will bring the leadership that you need to join this team and to love this city well. Father, I thank you, God. We thank you for Angie. We thank you, for, Lord, for the, the, the seeds that she has sown in this role as pastors of this church. God, we declare, Lord, that you're giving her a new portion of encouragement today. Angie, the Lord is so pleased with you because he sees all of the things in your heart. And the Lord has given you new encouragement today, Angie. The Lord is pouring in a fresh measure of joy. I see your joy level getting reset. I see your happiness being reset. And I see the Lord just giving you in, a, in your emotions, in your heart, in your soul, and in your, in, your, in your mind that the Lord is pouring in a new measure of energy and joy and life because you poured out. You poured out, but the Lord says, I'm going to give back to you, and I'm going to multiply it back to you because of your love for me. And, and Angie, your love for the Lord is deep. It is so deep. It's a well that runs deep. And the Lord says to you, in, in, in fact, if you want it, I'm going to release um, new gifts through you. If you want it, if it's something that's, that you desire, the Lord is going to pour out new gifts. And he's going to multiply your gift set and give you some new giftings that is gonna, um, that's going to be connected to your leadership as, um, as pastor of this house with Chris. We bless you, Angie, and we declare and we break off all discouragement that would come to you and say that, you know, hey, it's just another day. The Lord says it's a new day for you. It's a new day for you personally. It's a new day in your dream. And the Lord is going to pour out new dreams in your heart, Angie. I just see it. I believe it. And I'm going to declare it in Jesus' name. Chris, I've already told you that once, but I believe that the Lord wants to remind you today that you both are here in this position for such a time as this. Man did not place you here. God placed you here. You owe no one anything. You owe just the Lord because he chose you. The Lord chose you and Angie to be here, to be the pastors of Christian Chapel. And you're here for such a time as this. That is going to be a great ride. It's going to be a scary ride at times, but it's going to be a great ride because the Lord can trust you. I just hear the Lord saying, I can trust you. I can trust you. You are a man of trust. You are a man of trust. And uh, it's so interesting that the Lord looks for people. The Bible says the God who can see all things and everything is seeking 
for those who can worship him in the spirit and in truth. And the Lord has found you. The Lord has found your heart. You owe no man anything. The Lord placed you here. Be just knowing that the Lord, every time that anything happens that tries to cause you to doubt, you say, no, I know the Lord placed you in here. Angie, you are a gift for this church. You are a gift for this church. And I just want to let you know that you are a gift. And everything that God has spoke over you, there's a new angel coming out. There is a new angel. I don't know what, it, what that exactly means, but there is a new angel. And I also hear the Lord say, just don't worry about your kids. I got your kids. Don't worry about your kids. Guys, we have amazing pastors. We have amazing pastors. God is moving them. God is doing something new and great things in their lives. And we need to be behind them. And we need to be like, we're with you. We're for you. And maybe sometimes we're not going to have all the answers. And they're not going to have all the answers. But we're going to just stick together. Because that's what family is. And you know what? There are many people coming. And we need to make room for it. And we need to learn to love well. So the people, when they come in here, they can feel it. They can feel it. I know that we already do that, but there is a new measurement of that, of love and compassion. You know, Tulsa, God is entrusting us, our portion for this city. There are many churches in here, but we have a portion in this city. And the new thing that the Lord is doing in Tulsa. And we need to take our place and say, Lord, our portion will store it well. And we will pray. And we will ask for forgiveness. And we'll get up. And we'll go again. And we're just going to take our place in what God has for us. Thank you, God. Oh, Jordania. Um, thank you. <laughs> All right, no one else to say. I hope the Lord has spoken to you as he's spoken to us. And I'm just going to pray a, a prayer of blessing for us, Lord. We, we surrender to all that your spirit has in store for us today and in the days to come. And we just, as, as God will encourage us this morning, we just commit ourselves to saying yes again and again and again. We do not know exactly the path you lay before us, but we believe you're the good shepherd who leads us and guides us that you lead us from up close. So Lord, help us to spend time with you. Help us to hear your voice and to obey the things that you reveal to us. We pray your blessing over God, Owen, Jordania, over their ministry and all of the things that you have placed in their hearts, over all the dreams that they are waiting to be fulfilled, over all the questions they're waiting to be answered. We pray that your spirit would lead them and guide them, that you would reveal your perfect plan in your perfect timing for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May you go in his grace and go in his peace. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.